Welcome to the Firearms Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Before we get into today's topic, a quick mention to today's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about the instructor coverage they offer and pricing. Look for a special 10% off discount code for switching your instructor insurance over to them. I use their insurance and think you will too after you check them out. This episode is also brought to you by the ConcealedCarry.com Firearm Instructor Network. ConcealedCarry.com is always looking for quality firearm instructors across the country to join their network. As a network instructor, you can take advantage of ConcealedCarry.com's advertising platform to fill your classes. Visit class.concealedcarry.com and click on instructors to learn more and see if it would be a good fit for you. Again, visit class.concealedcarry.com. Today we'll be discussing what only the top instructors know with Jeff Gonzalez. Jeff is a U.S. Navy SEAL and is a nationally recognized weapons and tactics instructor. He serves as president of Trident Concepts, LLC, and director of training for the range at Austin. Jeff's background comes from Naval Special Warfare, where he served as a decorated and respected operator instructor. Participating in numerous combat operations throughout the globe, his duties involved a wide variety of operational instructional assignments on both East and West Coasts. Through Trident Concepts, Jeff pioneered new advances in weapons and tactics instruction, his unique understanding of adult learning, detailed curriculum development, and rigorous adherence to performance standards continue to set him apart from an ever-increasing field. In recent years, Jeff has increased his focus on concealed carry, leveraging his experience operating non-permissive environments all over the world. Jeff has unique knowledge to share with members of law enforcement, military, and responsibly armed citizen. Passionate and dynamic, he has been recognized as a subject matter expert on concealed carry and is currently a member of the NRA's Training and Education Committee. His manuscripts and articles are frequently published, and he has the good fortune to regularly be asked to speak publicly on a wide variety of topics, including firearms, concealed carry, and self-defense. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you for having me, Rob. Really happy to be here. How's the weather down in Austin today? Lovely. It's in the uh, 70 degrees right now, so we are officially in spring. Mm-hmm. And the summer heat's right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to stave that off a little bit. So we got maybe two days of spring before summer comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the hottest days I was ever at was down in Austin. It was 110 in the shade. Mm-hmm. It was a hot day. Mm-hmm. Very hot day. Well, Jeff, we got you here today. Talk to the instructors on the podcast about what only the top instructors uh, know. And we'd like you to share your experiences so we can make them better and hopefully their students be the best they can be. What do you have for us? So, you know, it's a, it's a great subject. Like, um, we're we're starting this year we're doing things a little differently on the instructor side we're running our concealed carry instructor course and that's the first time we're doing that to the public and the the key things that i feel like other instructors are are dynamically focused on if you will is um things that don't often benefit their their shooters their students the key thing about at the top level of you know the instructional pyramid, if you will, is these guys are not just passionate about what they do. Everybody's got that when they come to the table. They're just they're not just subject matter experts in the field because again, it doesn't really separate you. The key thing that they 
do well is that they're able to recognize their students and their learning deficiencies, number one, and their shooting deficiencies, number two. And they're able to look at each of those independently, and then they're able to formulate a corrective strategy to help their students to achieve whatever the goals are that they came to class trying to achieve. Now, one of the things that we try to get across to people is that you don't have to have a, a positive outcome to have a positive experience. But what you do want is you want that positive experience. You want those students to recognize the value of formalized instruction so that they are more inclined to pursue you know, and, um, to pursue excellence with regards to their shooting. And what we've found is that if you can't stoke that fire, you get a lot of one and done. You'll get mm -hmm. a student that'll come out, they'll get that exposure, but they just didn't either through their learning or through their shooting, they weren't able to have a positive experience. And, you know, in the end, they're like, well, this isn't for me, or I just don't like that or a litany of different excuses as to why they don't want to come back. Or, not, or they're not just not going to continue their, tra their training overall. And we know when it comes to responsibly armed citizens, uh, it's not a one and done. It's a lifelong endeavor. Well, that is true too. Absolutely. I feel though that particular, that particular subject is, is more, that's, that's about self-discovery. Like we can sit here and tell people that they really do need to, they, they do need to take those steps, but, the best way for that to resonate with that person is for them to come to that on their own. When they start to realize, wow, there's a lot more to this than I originally thought. This is just not, you know, go to a six hour license licensing class and boom, you're endowed with all this information. You know, exactly. now they're starting to realize, wait a minute, there's more. But the key thing about that is it's, it's about that positive experience. Now there's, when you start to look at those two different fields, right, the learning deficiencies and the shooting deficiencies, you've got to approach each of those differently, right? Because for the shooter to take that knowledge with them, they have to, we're looking at behavioral change. That's what learning is. Learning is behavioral change. So you've got to be able to identify how each student learns. Now, you could have a class of 16 students, and there's going to be like that bell curve where the majority of them are going to fall into this kind of unique style of learning, but then you're going to have the fringe. And a lot of times what happens is instructors just don't have the capacity to work with their fringe students, the students that are struggling and the students that are advanced, right? They're all in the same class. They're all receiving the same instruction, but these two fringes typically kind of get left on the sidelines because the instructional capacity is maxed out at just trying to keep the bell curve, the majority of students on, on track, right? Mm -hmm. That 80% um, of the class. Yeah. Right. Exactly. The 80, 20 rule. Mm -hmm. So, um, when you are, that, that's like, again, the, that's where the learning deficiencies come in. Cause you've got to be able to manage the folks that are struggling and why are they struggling? Are they struggling because they do not understand what you're saying to them? Are they struggling because they can't, formulate what that means psychomotor wise or are they just not able to put all of that together live fire right there's so many reasons that that could be happening for a shooter that has a learning deficiency and that's the biggest challenge that i feel most most instructors have now on the flip side of that the advanced students 
Now we're talking about shooting technique. What can you do to keep those individuals entertained? I don't use entertainment like you're sitting up there tap dancing. But if those advanced shooters become stagnant in the class, their learning value shuts off. So even though there's the opportunity for them to learn, once that learning value shuts off, they're just kind of going through the motions. They're not really fully engaged, right? And that's the challenge that most of the instructors have because when you think about it, you know, you've got every student there has to complete, and this could be another subject in and of itself, but every student has to complete the instruction to a minimum standard. And that is the other kind of crux that a lot of instructors struggle with is, well, how do I do that? What does that mean? How do I actually formulate standards? And then how do I teach them? How do I enforce them? Blah, 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 blah. So that's a whole other subject we could spend on as well. But future podcast, we'll go over that. Yeah, 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 exactly. So um, those are like the big things that I see for, for the, for, you know, the top level instructors have been either doing this enough or they're smart enough on that frame or that subject to understand the learning deficiencies. Like there's, there's a lot that goes into that. I'm, 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 um, I'm constantly challenged with every class to try and learn what each, how each student takes in the information and applies it. And I have like four categories that there's obviously the educational world has a lot to offer us here. But for me, um, I look at the four, the four main categories, which are those individuals that learn best by reading. So they have to read the material. Then there's the second group, which has to um, see the material. Then there's the third group, which has to like do the material. And then there's the Fourth group, which is a combination of each of those, like they might favor one over the other, but they still need the other category to help them get that full, um, full benefit, if you will. So at that top level, those instructors need to like the challenge in many cases is, OK, you've got to learn everybody's name. Right. And, and everybody's name will have an associated learning style that you need to pick up on. Um, so we'll do a lot of things like we send up, we send people homework assignments in advance. And there's two types of homework assignments. One is a reading assignment and the other is a, a, a watching assignment, a video that they watch. They're kind of tied together, but they kind of cover the gambit of different learning styles right off the bat. Some people will read the blog and they'll be like, huh? Other will watch the video and say, ah, I'm just not really sure I see what's going on there. But then again, there's the rest of the group that's gonna be like, oh, I." Now I get it. Okay, I'm reading through this. They reread it. They circle it. They blot it. They, you know, they do all sorts of stuff. Now it makes sense to them. And then there's those that watch the video and they really get into it. And they're like, okay. So when they come to class, they're already ahead of the power curve. And that helps me to then really work on uh, the shooters that didn't benefit from those two methods early on, which are typically the doers. Typically the doers, they need to be hands-on, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm a doer. I have to, like, you can tell it to me. I can watch you do it. I can read it but I need to be able to do it to really get it back. It cemented in your, into your brain yes. 100% until you actually do it. I'm right there in the same boat with you, Jeff. Yeah. So that's kind of like a big, like a big overall assessment of where I think 
younger instructors really want to focus some of their efforts. Like a lot of times, like, I mean, if you're new to the business, you're in this business for one of two reasons. You're in this business because you uh, want to make a difference, right? You recognize the importance behind um, self-defense and the, you also recognize the challenges that come along with it from an instructional point of view. Um, then there are those that are uh, monetarily motivated. And again, there's nothing wrong with that because if you want to be successful in this business, eventually that conversation will have to come up. Like, how do I justify being successful? Is it, is it the number of students I put out, which has a monetary equivalent type thing? So, you know, that, 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 does, that does factor into the equation. But, you can't do it for free very long, that's for sure. Not at all, right? Not at all. You, there, there has to be some justification on the monetary. And, and to ignore that is just naive. You know, you might get into the business early on and say, you know what, I'm, I'm a humanitarian, I'm doing all of this. And that's great. That's more power to you, right? But like you said, that, that has a finite shelf life. And then on top of that, it really also begs the question of, you know, how, I mean, how committed are they to, to the end product? Because if they're really not receiving any revenue from it, what, how are they justifying staying in the staying in the, in the, in the, in the arena, right? What's keeping them in the arena. If there's not a, you know, passion can only go so far, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're beholden to, you know, the man, if you will, whether it's through rent, whether it's through food, food that we have to put on the table, whether it's through, you know, education for our family and children, whatever the case might be. Just buying ammo for the range. That, that can there's that too. There's, uh, there's that too. Absolutely. So, so Jeff, um, the, the four pillars about how people learn, can you break those down a little bit about how you would approach those type of people and, and helping connecting, uh, them with sure. a specific topic? So, um, so a good topic that we typically will try to address and it depends on the different classes. So we have levels, right? Level one, two, three, and four. Uh, we approach each level a little differently. So a level one class, the material that we're going to send to a student is uh, largely centered around both gun, you know, basic gun handling and basic marksmanship, right? So we'll take uh, we'll take basic marksmanship, and one of the things that we talk about, like we'll have a blog, we'll send out a blog that'll talk about sights, the the, the pistol sights that you have. Uh, the, the article will be descriptive about, okay, here's a front sight, here's a rear sight, here's what they do, how you work them together, and show a few samples of correct and incorrect sight alignment. And then we'll have a video that kind of parallels the blog in a sense, right? So when I'm working with somebody that needs the information to be able to read and reread, the blog article is going to do really well for them. And then when I need somebody that has to kind of sit there and watch it over and, you know, they just keep hitting the rewind button, keep hitting the rewind button. That's where the video comes in, right? Now we're in the class setting. That's pre-class. Now we're in a class setting. Mm -hmm. How do you manage the readers and the watchers? You know, how do you, how do you manage that? Um, it, it, it really comes down to the, the, the doing part. The, like we want them to emulate everything that we do so demonstrations are super important. So when we're doing a demonstration, this is another area where I feel like a, a new instructor will sometimes avoid. And I feel like that's a huge disservice to the student body because so many students 
will learn from watching. So you've moved past the video, now they're watching what you're doing. But what they're really doing is they, they're, trying to, they're trying to mimic every little detail that you do. So you have to be able to flawlessly demonstrate what you want your students to do. If they see you doing something and it's not correct, they don't know that at that moment that it's not correct. They're, They're just going to mimic those incorrect exactly, actions. Exactly, 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 exactly. So one of the things that I really try to emphasize to um, a new instructor is the importance behind the demonstration. Because the way that we'll teach in the class is that uh, we go through kind of like four steps. The first step is we're going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to show you what we're going to do. You're going to do it, and then we're going to review it. So it's tell, show, do, review, right? And so in the, in the telling, that's where we explain things. We're going to explain it to you, right? Then I'm going to show you, going to demonstrate it. And then when, we come, when it comes time to doing, and this is another area. So let's, I'll come back to doing. When it comes to the showing, one of the things that bothers me is when an instructor downplays the importance of demonstrations, right? So as, a, mm -hmm. as, a, if, as an instructor, you need to realize that a student is going to look at you and your actions and they are making judgments. Right or wrong, they're making judgments. So your, in a sense, your validity as a recognized expert is on the line. And you've got to be able to recognize that you cannot do a piss poor job there. You really want to do a good job. So what does that mean? That means that you, you can't just be, you have to be, you don't have to be at an elite level when it comes to your demonstrations because that's not going to help your students. You, know, you don't want to dazzle them with, you know, blazing speed and all this other business. They're never going to be able to do that. You're doing so things. Draws and, and, yeah, exactly. and everything else. You're doing things too fast for them to understand anything. And that's not the purpose. You're not, like if you're trying to stroke your ego by impressing the students, that, that, that doesn't work, right? That's not what you're trying to do. Definitely. What you're trying to do is you're trying to help them to see it in their mind's eye what you're doing, right? So everything that you do needs to be done, what I reference as flawlessly. And so that also breaks down like at what speeds should you be demonstrating? So usually the way that I will tell the instructors, like in our instructor development courses, what I tell them is that there are th there's three steps to your demonstration process. The first step is when you walk through the individual steps, you articulate the steps as you are performing the steps. All right, guys, so I'm going to come from a compressed ready. Notice how my arms are parallel to the ground, the muscles parallel to the ground. Now, first step is going to be to extend the gun to the target so they're walking through it. I'm going to confirm my sights are ready to fire, move my finger to the trigger, start to apply pressure. So they're kind of going step one, step two, step three, but they're articulating that as they're doing it. So it's In moving at a slow manner. Exactly. It's moving at a speed that is slow enough, right? Then the next rep that they're going to demonstrate is going to be at what I would like to consider to be slow speed with no dialogue. So they're moving at the same speed, but now it's not interrupted with dialogue. And that way the student can really zoom in and watch everything. And then the third time you demonstrate this is going to be more at about what we call half speed, right? And at half speed, what the student should see is they should see a very seamless, fluid series of movements so that that's kind of like the end state. That's what they're looking to, to achieve. Right. All right. So you 
Step one is to walk through it with the verbal steps. Step two is to walk through it without the verbal steps. Step three is to do it in one fluid, seamless movement, whatever the drill is, right? Mm -hmm. So that's in the do. That's in the do. When it comes to the review, see, this is, again, where the instructors need to be paying attention to their students because what they should be looking for right then and there is who's doing it right, who's doing it wrong. But then the question is, why are they doing it wrong? Are they doing it wrong because they didn't understand my instructions, because I, I, I couldn't connect with them, uh, because they, they, they need more time doing? Or do they, need, do they need me to explain it to them a little bit differently? Again, this is all part of the learning process that the instructor has to go through. But it's not until you've completed that first demonstration and they've done their first practice that now you get to see what the net result is. Because that's where you really start to make corrections. Mm -hmm. Because now you've kind of seen how everybody learns and applies the information that they're receiving. And it's at that point where now you can really start to get into the, the mix and start mixing up like, all right, student number one, you look like you're doing a good student number two. Are you sure you understand what, uh, what we're trying to accomplish here? And that's, you, you gotta, you gotta create the atmosphere for the student to feel comfortable saying, no, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I don't get it. Because the, the, the other thing, the other problem that a lot of students will bring to the class, and you just need to accept this, is they bring a lot of ego. And the ego is, again, a, a great inhibitor for, for true skill development. And you've got to try to work that angle a little bit. So a lot of times, if you, just, if you provide them the opportunity for them to come to you in an honest manner, they, they will typically say, like, you know what, Jeff, I, I, I just don't get it. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm pulling the trigger right. I feel like I'm doing something wrong there. But a lot of times, they won't come up to you to do that because they don't feel like they don't want to be made fun of. They don't want to look bad in front of their peers. There's a whole and they're there with their buddies and everybody else. Exactly. Like that. exactly. Mm -hmm. So we try to create an environment where everybody feels comfortable. Um, and that's another really big thing is that you've got to create, you've got to create this connection that is built around trust. Mm -hmm. Once you build that trust level with the, with the students, they will approach you and they will start to talk to you and they'll say, Hey, can you explain to me again that let that process? Like, how does that work? I, I, you know, and a lot of times they'll do it off to the side, which is great. You know, you get a little informal one-on-one -on -one kind of time. Mm -hmm. one, so, one of one of the things I've seen with that too, just from my personal experience, is you've got people that are coming to the class that have all levels of of experience with firearms. Some are younger; they can do drills very easily. Some are older. Some of them might be, you know, English might be a second language, and all those things you've got to like you said, figure out what's motivating them and give them the opportunity to learn. If it takes you once or twice to repeat something to them, so be it, you know, it's do true. that on the side, give them the opportunity. Now, now there is some, everything that I've been talking about, it puts the responsibility on the instructors. All right. But there's still is responsibility the students need. We talked about how to be a good student. That again could be another podcast later on, but when you get to the reviewing part, okay. So now they've, They've, they've practiced it a few times. They're in the doing stage. What you've got to do is you've got to let them fail. You've got to let them fail or provide the opportunity. You've got to believe in them so that they believe in themselves. And then once the dust settles, now that's where the hard work works. Because we, um, The way that I talk about it in our instructor development course is the bullet doesn't lie. Right? The bullet's not going to lie. Wherever the bullet is on target, it's not going to lie. Right. So now you need to go and be able to read the targets and understand what each of those shop you know, groups mean. And then you need to be able to work with the student on one on one scenario and be able to provide them with corrective strategies that are going to help them improve. Right. Mm -hmm. This is where the reviewing part for an instructor. Again, when we talk about at the high level, how do you 
create a pathway for improvement with a student? Like what is the, what is the ascending ladder that allows a student to make progress, right? Because a lot of times you'll sit here and you'll be like, well, Rob, the answer is really simple. You're slapping the trigger. Okay, well, that is a simple answer, and that is a very common problem, right? How do we fix that? Exactly. That doesn't <laughs> That's really. That's the harder part. That's like, it, like the average instructor can sit there, sit there and say, "Yeah, you're just slapping the trigger." Okay, how does that help the students to actually fix the problem? Or the worst one is you're slapping the trigger, so stop doing that. And right, exactly. Like, now, sometimes, uh, what do you do? <laughs> right. So, I, I and I, I sometimes I like to include a little bit of humor in everything because if you can kind of like take the edge off of the mm-hmm. of the learning part, you know, maybe people are be like a little bit more loosey goosey. Right. So, a, a lot of times, I will try to use humor to help kind of diffuse some of the the awkwardness and difficulty, uh, but. I will say something like that at times to a student. Like if it's a student that I feel like is sandbagging a little bit, I'll just kind of give them that response. Like, Rob, just stop slapping the trigger. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and now sometimes that can be valuable to a student. This is again, learning the different type of learning styles because in some and knowing cases, what your students can know and what they don't know. Exactly. And knowing, here's the other thing, knowing what they're capable of doing. Right. So I might, Rob, I might have you on the firing line and let's just say three, five and seven, you were killing it. We move back to the 10 and all of a sudden you're kind of all over the place. Do I really need as an instructor to get inside of your bubble and start mixing things up? Or do I need to step back, give you a little space and let you solve the problem? Mm-hmm. But you demonstrated to me at the three, the five, and the seven that you understand it. So what happened at the 10? Well, you know what? Maybe this is the opportunity for me to provide you the, op- the opportunity to self-evaluate and hopefully self-correct. Mm-hmm. So that's another part of the instructor feel that a lot of times doesn't, you know, again, you've got you to gotta understand your student. Is this the type of student that would benefit from hands off? Like if, like I'm the t- I'm that type. Like you're gonna come up to me and you're gonna show me something and I'm gonna be sitting there and I'm gonna be like, okay, I can't wait to start trying. You know, stop talking so I can practice. I want to practice, right? That's I want to get right into it. Like, um, and and I need I need to fail. I need to fail and fail and fail and fail and fail until that one time when I do it right, I'll be like, I did it. Now, and and the one it? one great thing about that I think in my mind is if you teach them how to do it right the correct way. And they do have this one success on during the during the class. Guess what? They know that when they go to the range by themselves, that they know how to do it properly to achieve those same results. And hopefully, you know, they go a half dozen times before they come back to the next class. And guess what? They've improved quite a bit because they've been able to do the self diagnostics by themselves to achieve achieve that results and be able to you know step it up themselves. And I love how you I love how you express that. Because what we're talking about is empowering the student. We're empowering the student to, to be able to work on their own. Because let's face it. I mean, if you're a good instructor, what you're going to be able to do is you're going to be able to teach the student how to teach themselves at some point. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how you know you're good at what your job, good at your job. Okay. Um, and so the thing that I always tell people is like in our training classes, uh, whether it's a regular open enrollment or whether it's an instructor development course, the, just the mere fact that you've registered for a class with us shows a higher level of um, commitment because, uh, you know, our reputation precedes us. And a lot of times people are intimidated by our training programs are intimidated by the standards they are intimidated by the accountability that we put on the students. 
But what I tell the students, like when the student gets into the classroom, the very first thing that I do is I congratulate them on the, the I congratulate them for being in the class because they are doing something that other people are not, right? And I recognize them as a special group of students. And then after that, the next thing I have to try to do is I have to, I have to create the environment for them to succeed. Once I've created the environment to succeed, the only thing I need to give the student, aside from a, a, a few nudges here and there, is they just need to know that I believe that they are going to be successful. And once, once they feel that from me, once they feel like I, they have my trust in the sense that they're going to accomplish the goal, they meet the goals. That's what I tell people. I'm like, if you, if you set the standard for the students to meet, they will meet the standard. You got to provide them all the tools. And once you provide them the tools, you just need to step back and let them, let them work on it. I mean, adult learning is a very unique thing. It's, it's different from learning that we experienced as a child. Adult learning is a lot of discovery, right? And it's, it, it, and the, the adults, what, really what they need, I want you to think about it from this point of view. Think about a bumper car, Right. Put a put in a, you know the adult in a bumper car, and what the adult needs to do before they can actually drive in a straight line, they need to be bouncing off all those walls in all the different directions before they finally figure out, okay, here's how I drive in a straight line. They need to fail a little bit in order oh. to succeed, but fail successfully uh, in a combination like that. I love how you put that. Fail successfully, because that's exactly what we're trying to get them to do. Because what's happening is that we're building their self confidence. Their self-confidence, that is what you had described about being able to, after the two-day class, or in this case, like a four-day instructor course, now what do they need? They, they need the opportunity to practice what they were exposed to in the class. And that's what you're describing. And that's hugely important. When the student, number one, has the belief system in place that they can do this, that they might have done it in the class, and now it's just a matter of trying to rep it out and figure it out on their own they're going to they're they're going to reach the goal right uh it's very rare that a student and 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 everybody's going to be able to achieve this goal at different frequencies and intervals because again you know you got you got life that gets in the way time resources and finances all of those play a factor into how much practice you can actually apply after a class Mm -hmm. so some students will go head first into it and they'll put a they'll sink a bunch of time money and resources into their training and the practicing. And in 30 to 45 days, they're a whole new level. And then there are other shooters that big gaps in their frequency and intervals and they're, they see less, they see that success, not, not as frequently. And that's, that's, that's unfortunate because it's that success that keeps them coming back. It really is. One of the things I tell the new instructors when I teach them, because they're, they're intimidated by the information and telling them what they need to do in order to teach students. As I tell them to get out there and schedule your first class as quickly as possible, because getting your feet wet, going along and doing that in front of the students will go along and make you better. Um, encourage them to team up, encourage them to do a lot of different things. But like you said, you've got to go and, and apply yourself in order to, to reinforce what you've just learned and, and doing it in a safe environment is uh, good for everybody. So like when, when we, when we run an instructor development course, one of the most important parts of that course is the teach back. And what, what basically happens is like, um, 
So our, um, just because it's relevant to this conversation, our concealed carry instructor course, we do, it's a four day long course, right? Uh, day, day one and day two, you're learning about the curriculum. Uh, you, you're meeting standards along the way. Day three is a lot of, um, kind of like, um, paired up coach student kind of drills. And then day four is where a lot of the teach back scenarios come into play. And literally on day four, the, uh, the instructor candidates are teaching to the instructor class one of the subjects. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to do that uh, because, again, it, there's – I mean, it's, it is something that it's like riding a bike. The more you do it, the better you get. Uh, but it's so valuable to be able to be in an environment with your peers where you can sit there and kind of take that information on and, and realize, you know what, I'm watching, I'm watching Rob do, and it could be the same exact subject. It could be teaching the draw stroke, right? But I'm getting, I'm, and, and you can provide them the curriculum, right? Here are the task, here's the task details that need to be accomplished. How you go about accomplishing it, that's you. That's on you personalized, right? And that's another thing that we talk about is like, um, the, the bullet comes out the barrel the same way. Mm-hmm. The difference is the personalization of the delivery of the instruction that is what separates many of the instructors, right? And one thing I've taken back from the teach backs all the time is to go along and look at it. And it's like, I never thought about teaching it like that. You know, exactly. about the rifling in a barrel and, you know, comparing, comparing to a football and different kinds of, of subjects like that, to where you go along and like, you know, I've been teaching for five years and that's a simpler way than what I've been trying to do with all the uh, charts and different things like that I've drawn on the board. And I, Again, it, it allows you to go along and improve yourself at the same time of giving feedback to those other instructors of saying it. Maybe think about this or that, the way that you're standing, the way you're using your hands or how you're describing something. It's so incredibly important because, first of all, you've got, like in, in, uh, in this case, in the instructor development course, you've got, um, you got people from all walks of life. But these people are, um, in a sense, Kind of like, uh, you know, we're not going to consider them to be basic students. They may be basic instructors, but they're not basic students, right? So right. they have a lot of experience in some respects. And they, but their, their experience is more of a life experience. So when it comes to teaching, like we'll have, and usually we take, um, uh, we have uh, four main subjects that we assign to, so we assign these four same subjects over and over and over again. So in one teach back day, we're going to see those four same subjects taught from three different perspectives. And I try to encourage them to find their own path. How, how are they going to yeah, – yes, I've, I've developed this technique over thousands of hours, okay? And, and I'm not saying that it's not a good technique, but it's how you deliver the technique, right? The draw stroke, step one, step two, step three. Okay, like the way I might approach it using the terminology and the verbiage and the demonstrations is one way. But like you were saying, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Mm -hmm. And that's the important part about the instructional value because the way that you took on that information is the same way that the students need to take it on because you're going to have like – you may, you may sit down there and see the holster draw stroke taught three different ways. Now, you're going to have your favorite. Like, all right, I'm going to go with technique one. That's going to be my default. Okay? But now in your class, you have two or three students that are struggling. So now you reflect back to these other techniques that were used. 
And now you have tools that you can go to these other students and say, okay, guys, I'm going to try this a little differently. Let's look at it from this perspective, like whatever it was, right? And now all of a sudden they're like, uh, you can start to see it resonate with them. They're like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, now I'm starting to, all right. That right there is the incredible value that the instructor brings to the table is being able to recognize, okay, it's not being absorbed, not being retained. I'm failing. And that's a hard part too as an instructor to recognize that you're failing. How do I make, how do I change this? Right? What do I need to do? What are my tools that I have available? Because what I don't want is I don't want an instructor to have a cookie cutter approach towards everything they do. That's laziness. That's you just trying to punch a ticket and not. And we'll be talking about that dogmatic approach uh, here in a couple episodes. Uh, yes. Podcast also, because we recognize that that is a big problem also. It is. It very much is. And, and, and unfortunately there's two reasons for that. Number one, it is lazy. Number two, and I use this term loosely, it's ignorance. Just don't know, right? As, an, as a newer instructor, they just don't know. Mm -hmm. They don't have that experience to draw on to help them understand it. Well, I'll tell you what, Jeff. Um, you've opened my mind on adult learning, a lot of different avenues. I'm glad to hear that some of the things I've been doing have been really good um, in your mind. And it's given our listeners uh, hopefully a lot to, lot to think about. Um, if people want to find more about you, Jeff, how can sure. they go along and find more about you? Uh, the, the best way is to go to our website, which is tridentconcepts.com. Then uh, we are active in the social media sphere. So you can, um, you can go to our Instagram page and our Facebook page, see a lot of information. The, um, the YouTube channel is one where we are definitely putting out a lot more information on there. And then I really recommend that people visit our blog site. Uh, I've been writing articles now. Uh, I think I've exceeded like 600 articles uh, published on my website in the blog section. And what I try to encourage people is that if you have a question, if you go to that blog and do a search, you're probably going to find an answer because we've been just doing it for so long. Um, so those are, those are good ways that people can get in touch with me. Um, if you're local to the Central Texas area in the Austin area, you can uh, come to any of the classes that we do here at the Range in Austin. Again, that would be therangeaustin.com. And then if you live throughout the country, we travel and teach classes all over the place. Uh, as a matter of fact, the very next class that we have on our docket is our concealed carry instructor course. And that will be... I think it's May 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th in um, Epping, New Hampshire, up at the SIG Academy. Okay. Yeah, Very so the SIG Academy is hosting that. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks again, Jeff. My pleasure. That, that about wraps things up for today. If you enjoyed today's show, we'd have a few important requests to make. First, visit our sponsor, Firearm Trainers Association at FTA Protect, and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Tell their instructors about our podcast. Help them be the best instructor they can for their students. And subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any input, questions, or feedback on future episodes of the podcast, please email us at ftp at concealedcarry.com or please leave us a rating on iTunes. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun ownership more knowledgeable. Be the best instructor you can for your students. Have a good day.